Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this fine, fine day? Alan, I am doing literally fantastic. It's a beautiful day, and I've had 12 cups of coffee, and I'm good to go. All right. Thank you, Mr. Trigger. I mean, Mark, uh, really nice to see you today. Uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, as you know, today we are covering episode three of season three, yep. Time Capsule. And, uh, you know, this one contains a lot of stuff. It certainly does. You see what I did there? Yeah. 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 I thought it was funny. Constantine thought it was funny. Constantine, damn it. <laughs> guy is always letting me down. <laughs> Who made him a producer anyway? Wasn't that my idea? Uh, you know, I think that's the great mystery. We were given a memo by someone high up at LFP Worldwide Headquarters yeah, yeah. that he was made producer. And I I think we need to get a handwriting expert yeah. to come in and compare because I'm not quite sure. <clears throat> I, I think there were some onion stains on that paper. <laughs> and uh, if there weren't, then he clearly has something over one of the higher ups in the organization. And uh, I, I've still yet to meet the executive management. So I'm, I'm really hoping to get that introduction one of these days. I like to hang out in the hall outside yeah. their office. See and who just, comes in and out. Yeah. And it just it's like a ghost town. Wow. It's kind of weird. I know. Yeah. A little strange. Wow. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. All right. So today's episode first aired on February 3rd of 2011. We get a runtime of 21 minutes and 20 seconds, which was identical to last week's, as a matter of fact. Yep. So that was fun. Today's episode was written and directed by Mr. Mike Schur. Excellent. Yeah. So for from a directing perspective, this is Mike's third of eight that he'll ultimately direct. And from a writing perspective, he wrote 18 episodes and this is number six. Nice. You know, Mark, I got interested and I, I, I did some of that uh, there analytics uh, with the numbers and stuffs. And what I found was that Mike actually directed and wrote three episodes where he was the writer director of Note. Hmm. Yeah. So he did uh, Time Capsule. This mm -hmm. is the first one. He did both jobs. Uh, he will do in season four, win, lose or draw. Okay. Which one we're getting into the running for office stuff. And then the last episode of the run, which is one last ride in season seven. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So um, all three very good episodes. And uh, it's kind of cool to, to, to know that Mike did both those aspects of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, uh, I think without any further delay, should we get into our synopses? Let us get into our synopses. That's a great idea, Sir Allen of the Roundtable. Well, this week, uh, try as I might to slice and dice this sucker in as many places as I could. I actually only came up with with two stories. There, there were a few extra little sub judges. You may go home. <laughs> there are a few little extra subplots. I didn't think they had enough meat to them, so we'll just go forward with that. All right. So the A story, uh, which I just entitled Time Capsule because I hadn't had my 12 cups of coffee yet. So sure, of course. Go. All right. Leslie is organizing a time capsule meant to be opened in 50 years or thereabouts, uh, filled with items representing the spirit of Pawnee. Citizen Kelly Larson visits Leslie in her office to plead his case for the Twilight series of fantasy books, which he loves mm. to be included in the time capsule. After some back and forth, Leslie finally refuses and Kelly reacts by handcuffing himself to a pipe in her office. <laughs> it becomes obvious this was clearly planned in advance since he brought food, water, a pillow, etc. Yeah. During his stay, Kelly notices Poor body. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly notices Tom is sad because he got dumped by Lucy, but doesn't know why. Um, and encourages him to read Twilight because that fixes everything, you know. Sure does. And Tom initially scoffs, but decides to give the books a try. Leslie eventually notices the name Liz Waverly is in one of Kelly's Twilight books, does research, 
and confronts Kelly with her conclusion that Liz bum, 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 is his daughter. Oh, boy. What will happen? Is Liz truly Kelly's daughter? Will Tom enjoy the Twilight books? How does Kelly go to the bathroom if he's handcuffed? Does Tom ever find out why Lucy dumped him? Will Twilight get included in the time capsule? Stay tuned and find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very, very nice. All right. What you got on a B story? For the B story, again, I hadn't had a lot of coffee yet, so I just called this winning back April. (laughs) You know, there it is. All right. Andy still pines for April. Winning back April with Chris Traeger. (laughs) <laughs> introducing Featuring. yeah introducing chris Drager. introducing Tris, chris Drager. well done <laughs> andy still pines for april who is still dating the charming and handsome eduardo from venezuela having I re- hate that guy i know right having recently bonded a bit with andy over some shoe shining sessions which is very hard to say <laughs> and by the way this this little bonding they're doing is making Anne very very nervous yes it is um Chris tries to help Andy win April back. Chris suggests Andy tap into uh, aspects of his personality April initially liked, but Andy can only come up with, I'm nice and I'm in a band. Wow. A bit later, Andy sees Eduardo by himself and he decides to take the high road, apologizing to him about being a jerk and promising to be nice from now on. How will this turn out? Does Eduardo accept Andy's apology? Will Anne ever stop being nervous about Chris and Andy hanging out? Can Andy ever win April back? Does Andy ever come up with more than nice and banned for what makes him great? (laughs) Is friendship possible between Andy and Eduardo? Never fear, loyal viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Very nice. Thank you. Good. Yeah. The the judges, I believe, uh, they told me when they left, they left me their cheat sheet and they had two storylines and those were both them. So nice job. Nice. Yeah. I I realized I sent them home prematurely. You could have chosen the wrong two and I would have to recall (laughs) them. But thankfully, we didn't have to do that. Well, you can see by the mission accomplished banner and and back of me that I'm I'm very proud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, It was there weeks before we were actually done with anything. But, you know, (laughs) that's the way I roll. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's move on yeah let's do so mark uh, speaking of akas which we're we are now um what do you got this week well you know all the all the awesome uh energy i, I put into the story splitting i yeah. so i only had enough energy left for one aka so oh, I'll, I'll figure i'll let you carry the train this fair this, enough this time um mine is probably predictable i love this it's it's one of the um I think it's one of Leslie's talking headlines and it's the very last one. I just feel like it's so emblematic of, of Pawnee in general. It's Pawnee first in friendship, fourth in obesity. Very, very nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that's a keeper. Um, I didn't go that path, thankfully. Oh. So good. We got some, we got some distinction here. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. My, um, my primary line was a Leslie line, but not that one. It's a different one. But I also chose a backup for the A story just in case we did overlap. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the backup. So <laughs> um, mine, I believe, is actually a Marsha Langman line. <laughs> and it's it's anti-Christian and it's pro-quivering and the government has no business promoting it. That is so freaking good. You know, we generally avoid politics on here, which is ironic considering we're covering a show about politics and we're yeah. both fanboys of another political show, The West Wing. That's true. Uh, we tend to kind of just dance around it, but I felt the need to get political today. I felt like Marsha's stance was so strong. We had to talk about it. I agree. I am very 
Wait, is she pro-quivering? She says the book is pro-quivering, which I believe makes her uh, anti-quivering. Oh, well, then I I think she's dumb. I'm (laughs) pro-quivering. All right, go ahead. Any any smart person would be mine. Let's be honest. (laughs) Anyway, Leslie's line from the story I did choose as my primary was, I'm going to go do my work in the conference room because you guys are the worst. Oh, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about that scene here in a bit. I love that scene. I do too. Yeah. Uh, My B story, uh, a.k.a. was Andy. Andy always has so many lines that are fun. Yeah. Uh, But my favorite this week was, dude, that is the coolest sentence I've ever heard somebody talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. So anyway, we'll get back to that storyline a bit later as well. All right, Mark. Well, should we move into our episode breakdown from here? Let's let's break it down. Yes. All right. Well, we start out with a cold open, as is our won't. And just as it always happens. Um, and this is a pretty long one. Um, clocks in at two minutes and 25 seconds. So I got to say it's like in the top two or three longest. That it's we've up ever there. Had. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely plot relevant. Yeah. And and we have something that I don't know that we've had a whole bunch, maybe one or two other times where we we start out with the black screen with white text on it. And in this case, it just says the word Wednesday. Yeah, we got title cards. We got title cards. Yeah, there you which go. is very unusual. Not unusual. Well, it's rare. We had actually had one last episode, but only one, and it was toward the end. This one did it consistently throughout the episode. So it's clearly Wednesday, as per the title card. And at City Hall, the gang, which is, I counted as Leslie, Andy, Ron, Wendy, Donna, Tom, Jerry, April, and Eduardo. Yeah. Um, including the hangers-on of Wendy and Eduardo. Right. Uh, discusses what <laughs> they want to put in the time capsule. Uh, Jerry offers diaries of his mother who lived in Pawnee all of her life, but is quickly ridiculed by all, even Eduardo, uh, when they read it and find out he played Tinkerbell in his school's version of Peter Pan. Uh, poor Jerry. Um, so Tom offers a picture of Lucy <laughs> with a mustache and stink lines drawn on it on account of she broke up with him <laughs> and he's sulking and I don't think he knows why. Um Ron offers a menu from JJ's diner, which seems fitting, you know, Um, and Leslie offers a brief history of everything that has ever happened since Pawnee was founded, quote unquote, uh, apparently typed from memory. (laughs) Okay, Um, and as a bonus includes for the first time ever, every town slogan that Pawnee has ever had. And she has a great uh, talking head where she actually goes through these town slogans. Do we have a clip of that? We actually do have a clip of that, Mark. Let's uh, have Constantine play that for us. Yes, please. Constantine, please. A complete list of every official town slogan we've ever had. Oh my God, Leslie. I know. Can you believe it? crazy. Isn't it? Pawnee, the Paris of America. Pawnee, the Akron of Southwest Indiana. Pawnee, welcome German soldiers. (laughs) After the Nazis took France, our mayor kind of panicked. Pawnee, the factory fire capital of America. Pawnee, welcome Vietnamese soldiers. Pawnee, engage with Zorp. For a brief time in the 70s, our town was taken over by a cult. Pawnee, Zorp is dead. Long live Zorp. Pawnee, it's safe to be here now. Pawnee, birthplace of Julia Roberts. That was a lie. She sued, and so we had to change it. Pawnee, home of the world-famous Julia Roberts lawsuit. Pawnee, welcome Taliban soldiers. And finally, our current slogan, Pawnee. First in friendship, fourth in obesity. There it is, Mark. I like it. Yeah. The, the birth of my AKA. I love it. After the titles, we come back and we're going to find ourselves in Leslie's office. And she seems to be in the middle of an interview with somebody and sitting in front of the world's largest stainless steel chili pot. 
Yeah, that is something like that. You you could live off of that for weeks. I mean, Kevin could have made 40 gallons of chili in that thing and then spelled it. Oh, my gosh. That's just tremendous. So, yeah, Leslie is uh, being interviewed by the one, the only Shauna Mulway Tweep. And they're talking about the time capsule. And it's not a very big scene, but Leslie is very excited and she is. Uh, aggr- aggressively suggesting headlines and subheadlines, which Shauna is listening to politely before yeah. going, hey, why don't I come back tomorrow? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's enough of that silliness. Um, she leaves. And I think pretty immediately afterwards, a second person is escorted into her office by April, yep. which is a Pawnee citizen. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry. I have to pause right there. Yeah. April is so good at her job, you know, not doing things, but she's so casual when she does do things. She says to Leslie, Leslie, this guy's here. (laughs) As Ron has said, she is the whole package. She really is. So, yeah, this guy's here. And in this case, this guy is a Pawnee citizen, Kelly Larson. And boy, Alan, he loves Twilight. And he he. thinks that it should definitively go in the time capsule. Well, Leslie is a little taking it back at first because I think that he had she had received emails from someone about this. And she had assumed because I think of the name Kelly and because, you know, Twilight. (laughs) Yeah, sure. It was uh, that Kelly was younger and that Kelly was a girl, (laughs) but he is not. He's older and he's a boy. And however, Leslie politely prepares to listen to Kelly as he pleads his case because he seems really passionate. So she's going to be polite and listen to him. Yeah. as we would expect from Leslie. I, so this is Will Forte playing yes. Kelly Larson. I, I like Will Forte just by everything he does. And he does a great job. He's he's like weird and intense and just a little bit creepy. That's a good mixture of the combination that he is in this show. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, following this scene, Mark, uh, we're at the shoeshine stand and Andy is explaining the situation between him and April to a very engaged Chris Traeger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, you know, there's no better place to bond than the shoe shine stand, um, and they're they're bonding and they're catching up and 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 you know, Andy's telling Chris all about his and Anne's history and also what the situation is with him in April, um, and Chris is just very listening very intently and just taking it all in as they always do. Anne walks up and is very nervous when he <laughs> she sees the two of them talking as she is. Very, very convinced that Andy is going to screw things up for her. Right. Well, Andy is very concerned because he's worried that if he doesn't do well here, Chris is going to fire him. <laughs> and then <laughs> reminds him that Chris is not his boss. And like, he's like, dang it. I cannot figure out who my boss is. That is one of my favorite lines that he delivers in this whole episode. Yes. Like, God dang it. I cannot figure out who my boss is. <laughs> <laughs> she's just like, please don't do anything weird. I beg you. So yeah, she's very nervous. Yup. Yeah. Well, back in Leslie's office, we're continuing to hear Kelly talk about the virtues of the twilight saga. Yes. Kelly is still pleading his case to Leslie re the twilight books uh, going in the time capsule. And uh, you know, as before, Leslie's trying to be very polite, but finally, she attempts to explain that this is about Pawnee specifically and not just about stuff people like. Well, sure. And 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 he begs her to reconsider. She says no. And then feeling that they are at an impasse, Kelly resorts to handcuffing himself to a pipe in Leslie's office. Bum, bum, bum. Look, Mark, he had no other choice. He, he had already played his other ace in the hole, which was to explain to Leslie that, you know, 
Forks, Washington, where Twilight takes place, is exactly like Pawnee, you know, except for the climate and the vampires. Other than that, carbon copy. Yeah. <laughs> What's a guy to do? I know. Well, Leslie is furious and shouting at April and Ron since she can't legally choke Kelly out with his own handcuffs. Or, or can she? Uh, you know what? I think that's up for debate. I think she is good friends with the police department. That's in Pawnee, point. So they might let her get away with they it. They might. But yeah, she, Leslie is PO'd and she's in Ron's office venting to him. And, and April's kind of st- looking on on the sidelines. Um, and apparently April thinks it's kind of cool. And Leslie chastises her for that. Cool people make the rules. They don't break the rules. So she's, ex- she's apparently experiencing something from when she was younger. <laughs> Clearly. Or maybe just a few years ago. I don't know. Right. Um Ron offers to take care of things in a very Ron-tastic way with a hacksaw that he keeps in his desk, naturally. Um, but Leslie is going to opt instead to call security. I love uh, Ben's reaction to this when he comes in at the, to the scene. Oh, yeah. Leslie's yeah. kind of recapping, you know, oh, some guy handcuffed himself to a pipe in my office <laughs> until we put a copy of Twilight in the time capsule. And Ben goes, damn it, again? <laughs> I like that. And I also like his initial reaction when he, he walks in through the doorway. Oh, yeah. And initially says, hey, hey, guys, can we push back the meeting? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately yep. he sees Ron standing there with the hacksaw. Yeah. Ron's got a hacksaw and it's this un, un, uh, unusual meeting of the minds, so to speak, and a hacksaw. So he knows something's up. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Uh huh. Back over in Leslie and Tom's office, Tom is sitting in his office, you know, with a weird goon who's obsessed with a kid's book and looking very sad. <laughs> well, Kelly is kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of stuck like movement wise on account of the pipe and the handcuff and stuff. stuff. So he's got to make the most of this. Next he, time he's going to bring a six foot chain with him, Mark. So he's got some mobility. That would have been much smarter. Yeah. yeah. And so Kelly sees a very a sad, you know, Indian dude in a very nice suit uh, <laughs> sitting at his desk. And, you know, so he thinks, I'll, I'll talk to him. And like, are you sad? In his very creepy, intense, <laughs> but funny Will Forte way. Um, and Tom is, tries to ignore him. And he's like, Twilight will make you feel better because Twilight solves everything. Um, well, sure it does. And Tom initially is scoffing at this because he's a weird goon because he is um, until... Donna pokes her head in the office and says, those books are good. <laughs> so with that ringing endorsement, I think that Kelly may succeed in getting Tom to give this a try. Yeah, I think with the Donna seal of approval, Tom is now maybe a little bit interested and certainly willing to, to give this a try. I think Donna is one of the only people in the office that Tom ha- judges as having a sufficient hip meter that he, you know he would what? listen to. You're exactly right. Yeah, that's going to pan out big time for us later. Yep. Lots of fun. Well, Donna also says, you know, she loves any books about vampires, werewolves, monsters, zombies, sorcerers, beasties, or time traveling romances. And I, you know, me too. (laughs) I have to admit it. And 10 minutes. If Robert Pattinson, she got 10 Uh, minutes, he would forget all about Skinny Legs McGee, which not many people know is actually uh, that that, uh, girl's real name. Is it? I don't know. That's weird. I think it is. Yeah. Well, she didn't leave much of an impression otherwise. So No, her parents didn't have a lot of imagination. No, they really didn't. Originally, they were going to call her girl, but then they extended a little bit. (laughs) All right. In retrospect, nice job. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Well, back in Leslie's office, Kelly is putting up the good fight when Leslie enters with Ron and a muscle-headed stormtrooper named Artie. This stormtrooper, this guy, <laughs> uh, Artie, uh, kind of an elderly guy. And he looks a little bored, but he has a 
bolt cutters, I guess. Yeah. And um, Ron is already there in the office, too. And Leslie says, OK, time's up. And, and you know, Kelly mouths off a little bit saying, you know, you do your worst. I'm not doing anything wrong and you need to do that. And so Leslie goes, OK, Artie. So he's like, whatever. And he takes a step towards Kelly and he loses his mind, oh my like God. starts screaming and shrieking. And this is the other way in which we would confuse him with a 14 year old girl. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. I never even thought about that. You're right. Um, so with all the, sh- the screaming and shrieking like a 14 year old girl, uh, a frustrated Leslie yields and allows him to stay kind of reasoning that, you know what, pretty soon. He's going to be uncomfortable. He's going to be hungry. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Until she kind of looks over her shoulder and sees him unpacking stuff like the food and drink and pillow. So indicating he's clearly planned this out. Doggone it. Yeah. You know, I love, too, that after she has realized that, oh, man, he brought stuff. Yep. Kelly, you know, he's in the distance there like they usually do in their talking heads. Hey, Leslie, I'm making some sleepy time tea. Do you want any? Because <laughs> he he's a crazy person, but at least he's a considerate crazy. He's person. very considerate. Yeah, good, very good manners for a crazy man. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it is Thursday. We started this episode. We see another one of their, your title cards you mentioned, Mark. Yep. We're now on Thursday. Tom is back, and Kelly is still chained to the bench in Leslie's office. And Mark, Twilight is totally dope. <laughs> Tom wakes up a sleeping Kelly and he, you were talking about his manners. He wakes up. Oh, good morning, Tom. You know, so he's very nice. Yeah. Um, especially because well, he's a guest here, Mark. I know. But I got to tell you, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just I'd so good on him. Especially if I'm chained to a radiator. Good Lord. Without coffee. Yeah. Um, so Tom wakes him up because, as you mentioned, Alan, he cannot wait to tell Kelly that he loves the Twilight book that Kelly gave him. It's dope, y'all. And. Kelly is very pleased by this, to say the least, and then blows Tom's mind when he hands him book two. Oh, my God. Like, you have get get out of here. And then he tells him, no, and there are a total of four books to go through. So Tom is (laughs) just over the moon at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Thus the name Twilight Saga. Yup. As the kids say, or so I've heard. I don't know anything about this. Well, Mark, after that, we're at the shoe shine stand and Chris is positively happy with the work that Andy has done on his shoes and happy to share it with Andy. I thought this was interesting because Chris is at the shoe shine stand and he's inspecting. I'm guessing he brought in all of his shoes that all he owns yes. and says, Andy, I want you to shine all of my shoe and shoe tangential products. And he gave it a good go. He really did. And uh, and Chris is very impressed with Andy's enthusiasm and his work ethic. And Chris has decided that he likes Andy and he tells Andy that he wants to help him win over April. Yep. Well, you know, Andy did a really good job on all of what I would say were the traditional shoe items, Mark. It's the tangential where he hit a little bit of a snag. And oh, yeah. He, he doesn't understand what these 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 things are. And, and they're basically like the Vibram sports sandals. Chris refers to them as. Yeah. And that's when he it, Chris says, well, they perfectly contour the human foot and the human foot is the ultimate technology. Isn't that your AKA? That's where we get our Andy AKA. <laughs> Dude, that is the coolest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard anyone talk. I, love it. I also like the really quick uh, Chris talking head at the end of this where he's like, why do I want to help him? Because he's a good person and I love good, good people. And while he's saying this. <laughs> Andy's in the yes. background going, hey, you know who should wear it? And talking about those shoes that you were That's just right. mentioning. Yeah. Hey, you know who should wear these <laughs> shoes? Monkey. And then he like does uh, this monkey walk with it, which, oh, Andy. He, he does an excellent monkey walk. Yeah, he did. I'm going to have to try to practice that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Let's see if I can embarrass some people with that, <laughs> including myself. 
Well, Shauna Mulway Tweep is back to cover this story and, you know, this developing story. And Leslie is trying her best to discourage her from following it at all. Yeah, this is just a short little scene. We see a photographer in a Leslie's office, which they're probably calling Twilight Central by this point. I don't know. But yeah, a photographer <laughs> oh, from the Pawnee Journal is taking pictures of a cheerful and still handcuffed Leslie, uh, you know, holding He's a mugging for the camera. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's holding up a copy of Twilight. Yeah, he he's uh, having a ball. Yeah. And Shauna, as you implied, is very interested and excited about this little twist as it's going to get, I think, a lot more attention and interest than, you know, time capsule. But Leslie is trying her best to discourage her from writing about it. Well, you know, Kelly is definitely enjoying his 15 minutes of fame here. That's oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, back over in Chris and Ben's office, Chris is working hard to help Andy woo April, but he apparently doesn't have a lot to work with here. Well, Chris is so positive and yeah. he is working with Andy and he's in his office and he's got, I mean, Alan, you and I've done this before where we brainstorm in a room, we get a whiteboard, we just start writing stuff down. Right. Of course. And so they're brainstorming, man. They're brainstorming about the things that are great about Andy. Like, okay, Andy. What, you know, what's great about you? Let's write them down. And, and Andy says first, very confidently, I'm nice. And Chris is like, nice. He's really excited. I write down nice in big letters. What else? What else? I'm in a band. Band! <laughs> Writes it down. What else? That's it. <laughs> it stops right there. And Chris wow. just kind of smiles sweetly at him. Oh, yeah. aren't you precious? Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, you know, I have two questions for you. First, mm. Are you Club Edward or Club Harry Boy? Oh, Jacob all the way. You know why? Why? Because he goes rare. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, second, have you heard of the TFAP? That's the Twilight Fans of Pawnee Club. TFAP? TFAP. Yeah. No. You like it? Yeah, no. that's a thing. Yeah. 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 Oh, and you, uh, sorry, one more. Uh, do you know who's not a member of TFAP? <laughs> no. Leslie. Oh, she's not? No. Oh. She's Team Edward? No, she's Team Get the Hell Out of My Office. Oh, that's a much worse acronym. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Well, for that, for this reason, Mark, we basically start the scene with Tom and Donna and Kelly having a really intimate conversation about Twilight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, on account of they all like Twilight. Yeah. And so they want to talk about Twilight. Yeah. But Kelly is handcuffed and yes. they have to talk about it where Kelly is. Exactly. Which is where Leslie is, too. Leslie mad. Yeah. <laughs> so she eventually just says, did you, you alluded to this earlier in the, in the podcast, didn't you? You said, she finally says, I'm going to go do my room in the conference room on account of you guys are the worst. Worst. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she gets up and as Leslie prepares to exit her office, Kelly says, you seem tense, Leslie. You know what you should do? Read Twilight because Twilight cures everything. So Kelly kind of throws her a copy of the book and she catches it grudgingly and is like, whatever, and takes it with her. And so that she's gone. She's mad. Mark, have you read Twilight? Oh, yeah. So the, the Tom's line about sometimes I think she's in the Volturi. Oh, funny. Very, very funny. But I think you have to have read or at least maybe seen Twilight to get it. But. Yeah. So someone told me about it. That's how I know what it is. <laughs> nice so, save. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, Mark, you know, right after this scene, it is now Friday. And, you know, the the Twilock, as I'm calling it, oh, Twilock, you like that? Yeah. Yeah. Day four, Leslie arrives to greet Kelly. But this time, uh, she's got some inside deets and a plan to crush him. Yeah. Yeah. Crushing him is gonna, what's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. um, she wakes him up. And first thing she's going to do to crush him is give him some coffee. And and surprise him with how chipper she is. But apparently she's going to start by crushing him with kindness. 
Yeah. And there's a sort of alliteration, even though it's a K and a C, and but mm-hmm. it still works. It still works. It does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she eventually says, well, and he asked her, why are you so chipper? And she yeah. goes, well, I got a little bit of news here. I looked at your book that you threw at me and I took it. And she read 10 pages. She's a Harry Potter girl. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> um, I mean, they're both good. Me too. I'm a Harry Potter girl. <laughs> I can do it. Mm-hmm. See, you, I hate that you jumped on that fumble before I yeah, could. You're welcome. Good for you. Um, and she tells uh, she tells Kelly that she opened up the inside cover and she sees the name Liz Waverly. And after some probing and some investigation, she uh, realizes that Liz Waverly is uh, his daughter or she suspects as much. And after a little bit of probing and asking, Kelly admits, yeah, that's my daughter. He's been divorced from her mom for a couple of years, and he's essentially doing all this for his daughter to try and impress her, basically. And Leslie's really touched by this and, and tells Kelly, you know, you should have told me this sooner. Yep. You know, Mark, I was a little disturbed, I got to be honest, that Leslie was able to find so many details about 12-year-old Liz Waverly, straight-A student at King Philip Middle. Um, Should I be concerned that she can find so much detail about our children online? I don't know that she went online. She may have gone on the streets with a Leslie mobile. I'm not sure how she does this stuff. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. She, She would do that. Yep. Well, and then, of course, you know, I think after this bonding moment, they end this scene with, you know, kind of Kelly saying, look, Leslie, you don't have to put Twilight in the time capsule, you know, because she's been so kind to him. Yeah. She immediately walks into Ron's office. Uh, You know, she's now on Team Edward and says, look, I think we need to put Twilight in the time capsule. She's on Team Crazy Guy. Yeah. And um, yeah. And and I, I think in her mind, she just really feels for him. And 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 what wants as to help. Leslie is want to do. Yes, it, yes. absolutely. Um, ben and Ron both say no. Yeah. But I mean, for slightly different reasons, Ron, just because we don't, you know, negotiate with wackadoos and then or terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> and air <laughs> terrorists. And, and Ben, I think, for much more pragmatic, just yeah. says, if you do this, anytime someone wants something from you, they're just going to bring handcuffs and go to your pipe. Um that sounded better when I just had it written down. But uh, so anyway, Leslie's solution is, oh, they're going to handcuff me to their pipe. Let's bring the pipe to them. And Ron immediately knows what what she means. And Ben does yeah. not because he's a normal person. <laughs> and Leslie leaves to go do the thing. And then he goes to Ron. Well, what is this? And Ron says, oh, this is she's going to have a crackpot convention. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And then one of my favorite runners were now back over at the I, I couldn't catch the name again, but this is the same elementary school we've been at many times for oh, yeah. other public forums. Uh, I mean, crackpot conventions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're once again ready to hear from the citizens of Pawnee. Oh, boy. Well, inside we have Leslie, Ben, Donna and Jerry. I think maybe it's just those four right now. Yeah. I think and, so. and they're addressing an assembled crowd of seated people. And we see uh, Jerry behind uh, their table setting up a video camera to just record the meeting content for the public forum. And Leslie tells the crowd that they're going to hear suggestions and those items that are generally agreed on are going to go into the time capsule. Well, Alan, right from the get go, the crazy Pawnee citizens, they start to come out of the woodwork and they can already tell, Okay, this is this is I don't want to say this isn't going to go well as much as it's going to go typically. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Mark, she first thing she does is remind them that this is a government project. We need to refrain from corporate promotion. Right. Or religious items. Right. And then the very first person says Bible. Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, But he was listening otherwise. And we're off. (laughs) Yeah, we're off to the races. 
while over at City Hall, we're in the courtyard and Andy finds Eduardo and has apparently had this change of heart that you referred to earlier. Yeah, he, he's stepping outside. I think he's coming from like about where April's desk is. He steps outside into the courtyard that we've talked about so many times before. He happens to be carrying a box of mouse rat CDs. He sees Eduardo, as you mentioned, sitting on an outside table. It looks like he's listening to some music in some headphones. And he takes the opportunity to apologize for being a jerk. And he promises to be super nice from now on, which Eduardo seems to appreciate. He says, well, thank you for saying that. And then says, well, what's what's this? He asks about is the box of mouse rat CDs. And then that gets him to talk in yeah. and they start talking about music and they find out they have some similar musical tastes and they start to really get along. Well, there's instant bonding when they both agree that the Smiths are very depressing. Oh, my God. Which I loved. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, and not only that. Eduardo was listening to the Smiths because April loves them because why wouldn't she? Because well, April. Sure. And, and she wanted him to listen to it. He's like, yeah. oh, these Smiths. <laughs> They're so, so depressing. depressing. If only he'd hold out for some of Morrissey's solo work, I think he'd find that much better. Oh, no question. But, you know, they did both agree that Dave Matthews. Crash into me. Crash into me. So yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I think back at the public forum, the citizens of Pawnee have spoken, and apparently there is at least one very compelling case for Twilight. Yeah, at this point, I'm not sure who all has has spoken so far, but I know that we... I guess just Kelly. <laughs> that's very possible. <laughs> all I know is we joined the public forum, as you said, still in progress, and it looks like Kelly is just now finishing up his probably lengthy lobby, knowing him yeah. to put Twilight in the time capsule. And he sits back down and then a woman stands up who we've seen before, Alan. We have. And, and identifies herself <clears throat> as Marsha Langman from the Society for Family Stability Foundation, the SFSF. Uh, as that's what I call them, uh, which we last saw, if I remember right, Alan, in Pawnee Zoo, where Leslie married the gay penguin. Yeah. Well, Marsha is against Twilight, saying it has pagan creatures strong sexual overtones and is very anti-Christian and pro-quivering, which I think we covered a little bit we earlier. And, I, yeah. I, uh, and so forth. Yeah. And, yeah. So, and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a man stands oh up God. then to just disagree with Marsha, which Leslie initially says, oh, well, you disagree with her. So you're probably a fan of Twilight. And he said, no, uh, he is also against Twilight, but because it actually contains overt Christian themes and as of such has no business being associated with any government project. And this makes Leslie unsure of what the heck to do since one says not enough Christian stuff and then too much Christian stuff. So what what do you do there? And then this makes Kelly stand up and go, no, you promise, you promise you dinner it in. And then they start yelling at him like, you promise that's not fair. So they're all just now screaming at each other. There's cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. People telling people to go back to Russia. I mean, it's got everything, Mark. Oh, everything. Country and Western. You know, <laughs> I love this this public forum because one, it's so well written and it seems kind of absurd, but at the end of the day, I think it's shockingly close to what you would see in a real public forum. And yet it's still funny. I like to sit back and think, oh, these funny, funny citizens. I'm glad that real life isn't like that. And and yet I bet you're right. I bet there are government employees who are like, yeah, yeah, you, it's funny. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny because it's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The forum is now continuing after we have a brief break and we see that they have compiled a list of suggestions for the time capsule, apparently including one, including one of Dennis Feinstein's better sense. 
Oh yeah. Yearning. Yearning. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we see, we see Don is writing on a flip chart and I, I saw some things. I didn't write them all down. Wasn't one of them like the bill of rights. Yes. Um, and then, uh, I, I, I couldn't remember the others. Those are the two that stood out to me. But yeah, so some time has passed and apparently they've been talking about this a little bit more. At this point, we see uh, a woman, I think her name is Jill, uh, stand up to lobby for her favorite book, uh, which is mine too. Crazy from the heat, the David Lee Roth story. <laughs> and Leslie tries to be common sense here and says, well, if we're going to have a book, given everything that's happened today, it's probably going to be Twilight. Yeah. And so, like, well, why is it about his stuff? Why can't it be my favorite book? So Leslie is trying to think outside the box. Yeah. And she says, "Okay, well, how about we have two time capsules, one to accurately capture the spirit of Pawnee and then the other one for crazy people. I mean, for for items of personal significance like Twilight, not Twilight. You know, Mark, yes, Twilight. (laughs) I I would also choose crazy from the heat. But uh, one of my favorite (laughs) books, I'm actually I wanted to read it again, but I thought I'd listen to it on Audible. And I was really disappointed when I got to the site and found that it's there, but it's not narrated by David Lee Roth. It was actually narrated by Sammy Hagar. (sighs) That is so bad. That is so bad. That's brilliant. (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't help it. I don't even I don't even want to be here now. That that, that is so brilliant. (laughs) And we're done. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Well, back at the office, Tom has finally made it to book four. You know how I know that, Mark? No. Okay. So I sent Constantine (laughs) out to investigate because you can't tell what book he's on, but you can see the back cover. Yeah. So if you go out to Amazon and you look at the four books and you look at their dust jackets. Yeah. That led me to know that it was book four. Wow. Yeah. But it looks like he's just about to finish when Lucy arrives. You know what's even more impressive, though? So let's say you're right. That means that I am he, right. he <laughs> so he basically when he came in. Oh, he, Thursday, he's tearing through these. So Thursday morning. Yeah. He's a, a, a Kelly. Crazy Kelly gave him sec book two right. Thursday morning. Yeah. So here it is. Let's say Friday, which eight. is what eclipse. That's what the kids tell me. Yeah. Uh, no, it was new moon. New moon is ah. what the kids tell me. And then so, eclipse. so the end eclipse and then breaking dawn. Okay. And so he went through new moon eclipse and breaking dawn in well less than two days, yeah. like maybe 36 hours. And those aren't short books. I mean, they're, they're, they're similar in, in length, I think to the Harry Potter books, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're not the biggest books in the world, but they're, they're quick the, reads. I bet. <sighs> Within 12 hours each though. Holy crap. Yeah. Well, he, you know, Mark, it's like streaming Netflix, right? You I know, guess. He's binging these books. I'm 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 impressed by Tom's read speed, I yeah. guess. So anyway, you're right. Tom's reading the fourth book, Breaking Dawn, in his office when Lucy comes in. And uh, oh, you know what? I know the other reason why this is the fourth book because of a, of a comment that Tom makes. Oh, what's he say? He says Bella's about to go on her first hunt. Ah, okay. That would have been a lot easier than all the crap you did. But again, I didn't realize <laughs> it, even though I so. All right. So, so, so he's, he's reading the fourth book there and uh, Lucy comes in and uh, Lucy comes in apparently at Tom's request. Yeah. And, yeah. and Lucy sits down. And so right now it's just Lucy and Tom in, in, in the office. And Tom just asks her, what was the reason that she broke up with him? And initially she claims that, you know, it just didn't work out and she's going to leave it at that. And then pouting a little bit, Tom says, well, what difference does it make? If we stayed together, you probably just would have dumped me for Ron, which leads loosely to Lucy to confront Tom with the real reason that she dumped yeah. him. She believes him when he says that he's not in love with Wendy, but 
that he definitely has issues with Wendy dating Ron. And he talks about it all the time. Right. And he clearly hasn't moved on in that sense. So Lucy actually tells Tom, essentially, you know what? I still like you. And if you ever work through your Ron Wendy jealousy issues, give me a call. And then she takes off. And then Tom, you know, grouses for a second and then returns to Twilight. Yeah. Wow. It's sad because we like Lucy. And I guess, you know, yeah. like they say in, in, in real life, you know, if it's meant to be, maybe they'll come back together at some point. Yeah. If you set something free, then I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that goes. <clears throat> a bird in hand. I don't know. <laughs> well, back at the forum, the suggestions continue and they seem to be getting more and more personal, including Turnip, the greatest cat ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, Not the live version. That guy is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> except for turnip, except for turnip. That's crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. At this point, honestly, when they first started this scene, the thing that struck me is I'm looking at Ben and I'm looking at Leslie and they are getting worn out. Like yeah. it, it looks like Ben is just getting this headache and he just <laughs> wants this to be over with. And it looks like Leslie is starting to get really flustered as well. Like they're just not getting anywhere. Yeah. And, and yeah, they're talking about putting the ashes of dead people, the ashes <laughs> of dead pets, except for a turnip. And uh, Leslie, of course, shuts that down because that's crazy talk. Um, I, I really love though, the, like of all the craziness, this just spoke to me because I think for several reasons, including our, what's going on in today's society, sure. um, the man stands up and he says, look, <laughs> we don't know what the world is going to be like in 50 years. We could all have been wiped out from the disease or the flu. And Donna says, so, so what's your suggestion? <laughs> and he says, I don't know. I'm just scared. <laughs> <laughs> you feel a little bit bad for that guy, but I relatable. laughed so hard. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know. I'm just scared. Uh, so good. Poor guy. Yeah. Well, at least he's comforted by the, you know, the being surrounded by strangers and twilight and twilight. Yeah. <laughs> well, over at the parks office, April is packing up for her dinner with Eduardo when it becomes apparent that he has some new plans. Yeah, Eduardo tells her that he cannot go to dinner with her because he and Andy are going to have a jam session. Ah. And April is not happy at all that the two of them are becoming friends. Like, why are you, why do I even have you around? And she storms off, blam. And Andy arrives. This, I think, is the little clip that they include in the credits now where he kind of ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 And he puts the hand yeah. up. And Andy. <laughs> so they're really excited to be like they're going on a little date there. And uh, so they're going to go and jam together like for like nine hours. Is that OK? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I love here that we have both Anne and April. Now upset that Andy is hanging out basically with their boyfriends. He's like the anti-glue <laughs> that holds everything together. I love it. Yeah. Well, back at the forum, tempers are on the rise and not even nine time capsules, Mark, will be enough to solve this conundrum. See, I noticed that. So there are now clearly multiple lists of time Leslie started this craziness with the idea to even have two. Yeah. And it was then, almost inevitable. And then it just starts quintuplicating. I mean, <laughs> I saw Michael Keaton's multiplicity. I know how this goes. Yes. So now there are multiple lists of time capsules and their <laughs> proposed contents are being written down. And these crazy, crazy citizens, Alan, 
they're still arguing, but now it, it seems like they're not, they're no longer arguing over whether something can go in the no. 17 or so time capsules, but just the organization thereof, like, well, what are, where do baseball cards go? Oh, that's time capsule four. Well, how about uh, crazy from the heat that going to go in number three or, I mean, so now they're arguing about that, which is like, Oh, Holy crap. Why do you care? So Mark, I do know that pet paintings and ashes are in time capsule four. <laughs> Well, so (laughs) fair enough. Where where else? So a weary, weary Leslie finally calls for a 10 minute break. Smart. And the crowd groans wearily. Hey, this is starting to drag on them, too. And they start to just get up and move around a little bit. And Leslie just kind of leans over and tells Ben that this time capsule business is crazy, man. It's it's tearing the town apart. And Ben responds saying, you know, they are. It is crazy and they are weirdos. But. It's actually kind of impressive in a way and somewhat rare that all these weirdos, they care so much about this. Mm. Leslie, in a moment of clarity, stands up. It's almost like the light bulb literally lit above her head. Yeah. Um, So Leslie stands up and she addresses everybody and says, excuse me, everyone. I realize things have gotten a little bit out of control, which is Ben's fault. And he's sorry, (laughs) which I thought was kind of funny. But, But I have an idea. And if you like it, I think we can end this right now. Well, Mark, speaking of the light bulb, isn't that what you actually refer to as your aha moment? That is my aha moment. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I yep. know we're always trying to, to get to your aha moment. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it is now Saturday, according to the new title card. Right. And I think it's finally time to bury this time capsule. Uh, and Leslie's going to let us in on what her little idea is. Yeah. It's, it, this is a really cool scene. It's a Saturday. So it's the fourth day within this episode. Um, so it's the fourth title card, too. They say, you know, Saturday. Yes, sir. And it's a beautiful, sunny Saturday morning in Pawnee. And a crowd of people have gathered outside to see the time capsule about to be buried. And Leslie is in front of everybody. And she's I, I think she's reading a letter out loud that is supposed to be from Pawnee of the past to, you know, Pawnee of the future to whoever finds it. And it's going to go in the time capsule. Um, actually, you know what? This whole thing is pretty cool. Do we have a clip of this? We do. Let's uh, give it a play real quick. Dear Pawnee of the future. Congratulations. You have found a time capsule that was buried over 50 years ago. We wanted to include a collection of items that would best represent what life was like in our town at that moment. Instead, you'll find only one item, a video recording of a public forum we held in order to determine just what those items would be. This is truly what life was like. A lot of people with a lot of opinions arguing passionately for what they believed in. So enjoy watching it, assuming you still have electricity. (laughs) And sorry about the weird blank gap in the middle. A man named Jerry Gergich screwed up the recording somehow. He had one job to do. One job. Sincerely, Pawnee of the past. <laughs> I love that we know that one, they're going to need electricity. Yep. And two, based on the visual, which our viewers at home couldn't quite clearly see today, Mark, uh, it's either if they need to be able to watch VHS or mini DV. If it's any other format, we're in trouble. I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. it's one of those two. It is. Uh, in the middle of Leslie's reading of that, or at least the talking head of it, you know, in the background, we kind of see, okay, well, Ron and Andy carry the time capsule that has ostensibly the letter inside and yep. the video recording, and they're carrying it to the hole. Um, looks like that hole is not nearly big enough. I, there's a few flaws here, but I think, you know, all kidding and fun poking aside, 
This is kind of a brilliant solution to a mess of crazy that got started, you know, oh, for sure. well-intentioned crazy. This is a great solution. It I is agree. a great solution. I also love that PBJ is going to live into the future. Me too. <laughs> they just need a deeper hole. Yes. Yes. Well, Mark, I think the only thing left is the kicker and it's, it's later that evening. Uh, we're on the lawn at a, I have to assume one of the bigger, maybe Rancid Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it looks like we're setting up for some sort of movie. See, I was wondering about this because are the parks supposed to be shut down at this point? Well, no. Remember, the parks are back open, but money's only been funded for kind of critical path items. Oh, so that's right. So the parks right. are technically open. That's right. Okay, yeah. good call. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Let's let's say Rams at Park. So, that yeah. there's an outside movie event going right. on. And uh, the Parks Department is showing Twilight. Go Look, figure. they checked out the movie from the library. Yep. They had a white bed sheet. Yep. And an old LCD three, you know, projector. This, this costs like 20 bucks. Yeah. What else do you need? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see sitting on the ground preparing to watch the movie, uh, Anne, Chris, Andy, and April, uh, roughly in a row in that order. Um, Andy leans over to talk to April and asks her if Eduardo was coming and April says, no, he went back to Venezuela. And quite frankly, that the two of them getting along made her dislike him. (laughs) So Andy smiles, leans in the other direction on his other side to tell Chris, Hey, nice and banned totally worked (laughs) chris gives andy a big triumphant smile and happily bumps fists with him which ann sees and then causes her to sigh and says well chris have you enjoyed your andy time and chris says well yeah andy's great and and he actually andy told chris how great ann is and that chris would be crazy to let her get away which kind of touches ann um so a moment later tom arrives and sits down on the ground with the gang and tells them, I'm so excited about this. I haven't seen the Twilight movies. Uh, I, please, everyone, be be the hell quiet. Because on account of I'm very <laughs> excited. I've never seen this before. So shush. And then, boom, the movie starts. Yep. And, and we start with, you know, movie one. And, and uh, Leslie kind of leans forward and looks over at the end of the row and sees uh, Kelly and his daughter, Liz, sitting there watching the movie. And Leslie just kind of waves at him and says hi. And Kelly thanks Leslie for setting up the movie screening, says thanks for setting up the movie screening, which causes Tom to yell. And once you shut up, <laughs> I'm watching Twilight over here. <laughs> he says, hey, I'm the guy that introduced you to it. Yeah. How about you just shut up? Oh, so good. <laughs> Fade to black. Fade to black. All right, Mark. Well, let's do this. Let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll we'll talk about some of the elements of the show. We'll recap uh, a few things that uh, led to our score, and then we'll give it a score and go home. Sounds like a plan. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you enjoy watching movies? Are you a fan of the outdoors between May and September? If so, then boy, oh boy, are you in luck. The Pawnee Parks and Recreation Department has combined these two things and is proud to introduce our latest outdoor family event called Summer Movies Under the Stars Festival or Smuts Fest. Wait, wait, that doesn't seem right. Damn it, nope. Didn't anyone look at this first? (sighs) Anyway, this is Ron Swanson. The Smu- the Summer Movies Under the Stars event will take place in Ramsett Park on an outdoor screen, located on the site of the former Walmart, which was recently converted into a state-of-the-art park thanks to our local volunteer citizenry and something called Kaboom, 
The park has something for everyone, including a lot of bright and obnoxious colors and gaggles of small-sized humans most afternoons and weekends. There are a total of ten movies on this year's roster, including more than a few selected by yours truly. Initially, my employee, Leslie Nope, was in charge of the movie selection process. However, she unfortunately succumbed to a nasty flu that was recently going around and at the critical moment was unable to spearhead the selection choices, instead passing that task on to me. Bully. So, without further ado, here are the ten movies that, uh, we have selected for your viewing pleasures. Movie number one, Twilight, a movie some of our citizens have been very adamant about seeing. Movie number two, Veganism, the Destruction of America. Movie number three, Bridge on the River Kwai. Alec Guinness, you glorious bastard. Movie number four, Electrical Codes, Safety Measure or Pointless Busywork. Movie number five, The Dirty Dozen, featuring real man Lee Marvin. Movie number six, Lagavulin Scotch Whiskey, Drink of the Gods. Movie number seven, Patton, Nuff Said. Movie number eight, Herbie Fully Loaded. Come on, a Volkswagen Beetle with a mind of its own? What's not to like? Movie number nine, Tron, a frightening look into the future. And finally, closing out the summer, movie number ten, Police Academy 4. That tackleberry cracks me up. When you attend this year's SMA uh, event, be sure to frequent our great food vendors. One in particular sells a turkey leg wrapped in bacon, which I can proudly say continues to be referred to as a Swanson. Mm-mm, good. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, you know, as we usually do right after the break, we will uh, we'll recap our deleted scenes here. We only had about three minutes and 16 seconds, and I think we had six scenes. You know, some of them are pretty funny. There was one in particular I really enjoyed, and I thought for today we would actually just play this clip. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, let's do that. Constantine, play it for us, sir. What Leslie doesn't know is that I secretly snuck over when she wasn't looking and I put a copy of Twilight in the time capsule. I saw him do it, and I took it out. I noticed that she saw me do it, and she took it out. But then, later, I came back, and I secretly snuck it back in. I saw that, too, and I took it out again. She took it out again, but then at the last second... I took that one out, too. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <clears throat> That's so good, Mark. I love that. Yeah, that was great. Well, and not only is that the best deleted scene, but it's, it's actually one of those that I think, you know... I. 28 seconds I, it'd be nice if they'd find a way to sneak that one in but you know commercials what are you gonna do you know we, we know from past episodes that leslie's not nearly as sneaky as she thinks she is clearly neither is kelly yeah i, yep. I think they're they're uh they're woven from the same cloth in that regard from the for they're woven from the same unsneaky cloth there you go yup well mark uh at this point we normally go into our tropes first and fun facts and i gotta be honest this week was really light for me. Mm -hmm. Me yeah. too. Okay. All right. I got two. I have, for first, I have one. Oh, I didn't even have a first. I had two tropes. Aha, uh -huh, you suck. So I, for my first, oh, this is kind of. All right, a, Smarty Pants, what you got? This is dumb. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it's Andy it. and Chris bonding. Oh, well, you know what? Fair enough. 
Because I don't yeah. think they ever really hung out before this, you know. Well, and you know what's interesting about that? Last week we had the Ron and Andy bonding. Mm. This week we got the Andy and Chris bonding. Yeah. So yeah, good, good call. Um, for tropes, I had um, two. Yeah, me too. So mine were. I bet you have punching bag Jerry. I do. So that's the Tinker end, Bell. The Tinker Bell, and also how he screwed up the final capsule recording. Uh, so good. Um, and then I had. I said food driven Ron because he's like real excited about the four horse meals of the egg pork ellipse. Okay. All right. That's, that's a valid one. Mine was crazy pun Ian's, you know, it's another public forum. So oh, yeah. that's a runner for us. So yep. I agree. That, sure. Good job. For sure. Yeah. I had, I had cool. one goof and I had one fun fact. What do you got? So take that. So <laughs> for my fun fact, this is probably pretty, pretty mundane, but um, the, the bench that Kelly is sitting on in Leslie's office is oh. the same bench that, uh, Leslie and Mark sat on and not only the last yeah. episode of season one, but also the last episode of season two. So just I mean, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then um, the the goof I had, it was actually mine. I have no goofs. <laughs> so surprise. The bench was a fun fact, though, to be clear, not a goof, right? <laughs> it was okay. a fun fact. Yeah. Fair enough. So your goof was that you had no goofs. Right. Yeah. Nice That's job. How meta. <laughs> we are. We're out there, Mark. Yolk. We really are. Well, why don't we do this then? Why don't we jump into our scores? Let's jump into the scores. All right. Um, all right. Well, so first I'm going to try and continue something uh, that I've done the past few episodes and I'm going to name an episode MVP. For me, it was a little bit easier this time around. Uh, so my episode MVP for this the time capsule is Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer. Mm-hmm. Um, although the A story was good, I thought that the B story was really the one that caught my attention yeah. more. Um, I thought Chris Pratt did a great job through the whole episode, ranging from hating Eduardo and wanting to, <laughs> to suffocate him and shooting daggers at him, uh, to his bonding session with Chris, to his seemingly new budding friendship with Eduardo, to walking like a monkey. I mean, you name it. He had so many funny lines. He really did. He's funny, goofy, lovable, has this air of naive innocence around him, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> two of my favorite lines you know we already said god dang it i can't figure out who my boss is and then there's another one that just cracked me up because I, I like it when when I, people english bad yes and he said <laughs> he's telling chris about him in april and about like Anne kissed him and then he, he goes oh, yeah, yeah. and he says he's telling he's shoe shining at chris's shoes and he tells chris i told april because of honesty is important <laughs> <laughs> it just cracks me up. Um, well, dude, that is the coolest <clears throat> sense I've ever heard somebody talk. That is another one, too. This, he, he did such a good job. So just a few quick notes. Um, I want to give a slight tip of the hat to Ben Wyatt because I think it says something that I kind of miss this character somewhat in this episode. And it just goes to show you how far he's come in a short amount mm-hmm. of time. Like, I wished he was in it more, mm-hmm. you know, and he's a new character. So good on him. Um, well, you know how Anne in the past has kind of helped Leslie get from like the beginning of the thought to the end of the thought, mm-hmm. help her co- make it concrete and so that she now kind of has that aha or that inspiration. Right. Ben's now performing that role here. And, and, and he did it specifically in this episode. So, you know, kind of that feedback loop. So I, I think mm. while his role was smaller, it was maybe it was equally critical, perhaps. Oh, I agree. I, I I think that it was good that he was there for several reasons. I just I I miss his Benisms. You yeah. know, I, I just wish he was on sure. the screen more. Absolutely. Um, so good on good on them and yep. and you know for establishing the character so quickly. On a similar note, I kind of found myself missing April and Ron, just because I like them so much, and That's I just I just felt like they weren't in the episode meh, yeah. as much as I wish they were. Um, but so, somebody was. Oh my gosh, who was it? 
well, somebody get a lot more screen time than she usually gets. And I was very pleased about it. Yeah. Donna. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I would say despite that, this probably wasn't the most balanced episode when it came to the comedic bench, but you know, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I found it interesting with the whole budget crisis thing that um, they were allowed to do the time capsule and the outside movie screening, but mm. maybe they aren't as expensive as I thought. It just kind of struck me as interesting. That giant chili pot has to cost a couple bucks. This is a lot more than the movie. I can tell you that. I just like that you're calling it the giant chili pot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the whole Lucy breaking up with Tom thing seems sudden. I was kind of sad to see them no longer together. Whatever. I, I'm not sure if I understand the reason. You no, know, that's a great point. I expected a deleted scene that gave us maybe a little more of a, of a moment that they had where yeah. it erupted and broke up. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know why it came out this way. And I don't know if the thought is, well, maybe we want to concentrate more on Tom's jealousy with like Ron and Wendy. Like they, maybe they thought, well, we want to establish this into a love triangle. I don't know what their thought was, but I liked Lucy. So I was kind of sad to see her go. We'll see where it goes in the next few episodes. <laughs> All right. So Mark's score. Hey, do, 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 do. I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this a four base score. It's not bad. It's good in general. I just didn't feel like it was stellar. Um, I'm going to give a whole point to a for a great performance from episode MVP, Chris Pratt. I just thought he's so freaking good in this that he deserves that. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the fantastic lit fantastic list of town slogans. That was really well written so and really funny. Um, to your point, Alan, I had this written down. I'm going to give half a point. For Donna, yeah, giving Donna more to do in this episode. I really like that. And Red is clearly very, very funny. And, yeah. and she uh, oh, yeah. things benefit from her being in it. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the relatively large number of guest stars. We got Will Forte as Kelly, Natalie Morales as Lucy, Allison Becker as Tweep, uh, Darlene Hunt as uh, Marsha Langman, uh, Jama Williamson as Wendy. Although I kind of felt like Wendy was wasted a little bit. But. I'm not sure she even spoke, but she was in the background of several scenes. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to give half a point for the public forum and all the insanity involved with that, which made me realize I do like the public forums. I like seeing the crazy Pawnee citizens, yeah. but I will say this. I feel like a little goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And, and in, in my opinion, I felt like Meh, maybe yeah. this went a little long. Well, they cut back and forth, I think. If you pair them up as A and B kind of pairs, yeah. they cut away three times and came back to the forum three times. To your point, I felt like maybe two would have been enough, kind of a at the beginning and then the conclusion. We also got a middle act. So Right, right. Yeah. And I also want to give a final half point for what in my opinion was the very meme-worthy moment. Four horse meals of the egg porkalypse. That is just genius. I mean, I know I'm a Ron fanboy, yeah. but still that's funny stuff. That's yeah, funny stuff. Um so now, you know, we don't share our scores beforehand, folks. So every time I'm going to tell you, is this the time that Alan's going to yell at me or vice versa? So you add up all my scores, all my points. You come up with 7.5 little Sebastians. Now, coming off of last week's 9.5, I know that this seems like a slap in the face. This really wasn't a bad episode it, as much as I think flu season was a really tough act to follow. I hate to be the episode that followed a flu season type episode. For yeah. Sure. yeah, I will say this. I want to give this episode some credit, though. In my opinion, it's continued the trend that has started with the first the start of season three of each episode in season three so far has had at least one meme worthy moment in it. That's true. So, yeah, I give credit where credit's due. What you got? 
Well, again, you know, in, in lots of ways, I think we talked about this a little bit after our breakdown, you know, off air last week. You know, there's two ways to score from the bottom up and from the top down. Right. right? I think we both agree that you need a one and a ten in order for the numbers to mean anything. Right. And so some of our season one scores were pretty darn low. And I think we achieved that. And we're wondering, both wondering if we'll see that episode, uh, that the perfect 10. I think you'd have to look at every episode, all 140 whatever episodes, pick the one you think is the best, give it the 10, pick the one you think is the worst, give it the one, and then everything else gets some other score, right? Right. I mean, if you're going to be that scientific, right. we're, we're not. Otherwise, we're know, guessing. Spoiler alert. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're clearly making this up as we go, Mark. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so for me, I, I kind of looked at what was really good about flu season with it being a 9.5 and getting so close. And I think we both agreed that, you know, with a little more of this and then just another dash of that, we could have seen that 10. <clears throat> Here, if I do use the deductive model, I felt like while I liked this script and I almost, I actually almost wanted to give it an eight and a half. But I did not. I gave it an eight. And here's why. Um, it was it was, again, in some ways like it's nowhere near flu season. I think it would have needed better cast balance. Um, it would have just needed a little more funny. Mm -hmm. um, Mike Schur is a very funny guy and a good writer. And many if you look at the episodes he's written, <clears throat> including the other two that he wrote direct, um, they are very, very funny episodes. Right. He typically does. And I don't know. Again, it could be guest star itis. I, I think Will Will Forte is a super funny guy. Did he get too much screen time? Is this a Fred Armisen, you know, Sister City problem? I don't know. I mean, maybe a little. Maybe there's a piece of that going on here. Um, and I think that it was a. While I like the fact that they took the took it from what could have been a one punch joke, you know, grown man likes Twilight, right? right? to why does he like it, his daughter missing the bonding. I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. They did as good with that as anybody could have. And yet there's a weakness to that story uh, structure for me. Uh, you know, most 14-year-old girls would not be impressed if their dad was out harassing the parks department <laughs> to put in her favorite movie in the time capsule. Um, but he, you know, a desperate dad trying to bond with his daughter – it's the motivation behind it is, is, is inspiring, I guess. I like your reasoning. And I think that, you know, I was relieved to hear that you were only half a point off for me because this is a pretty big dip from flu season. So now it's like, okay, how far it are is. we going to dip here? Yeah. I, I think again, our deeper bench, uh, a little bit more of the funny, you know, we did get the one meme, but I think, you know, flu season, you know, there was like when I did my, my top 10 moments, which I'll do here as well in flu season, Almost all of them were funny lines. Mm -hmm. I had trouble finding the funny lines to make my top 10 moments. And Agreed. they're more sentiments than they are lines. So let me go through those real quick. Yeah. So um, number one, Gerald was a beautiful Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucy with a mustache and stink lines. Okay. That's funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I like that. It's better than punching a wall. Yeah. Um, the Smiths are very depressing. Yeah. yeah. At their worst. They're the worst. <laughs> At their best, I really do like them. Donna loves any book about vampires, werewolves, monsters, zombies, sorcerers. You know, just, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, Marsha Langman is solidly anti-quivering. We now know that. <laughs> She's on the wrong side of it, but she yeah. Is. Well, what are you going to do? Um, Twilight is both so Christian and not Christian enough for the people of Pawnee. 
Yeah. I love it. Um, turn up the cat's cremains are in the time capsule, I have to <laughs> presume. Uh, well, no, they're not. We know that. They were going to be in capsule They form. were going to be, yeah. Now we just get the video of them arguing about it. Yep. Um, the people of Pawnee, uh, I love this line. These people are weirdos, but they're weirdos who care. They're That's weirdos a ben line. who care, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a well well delivered Ben line. Uh, I love the time capsule compromise. I do think that was a great way to wrap up the story. And it was very Leslie. So it, it hit all of the criteria there. Um, even if it does have that weird gap in the middle. Thanks a lot, Jerry. <laughs> and Tom invites everyone to shut up so he can enjoy his first screening of Twilight. So those were my top 10 moments. And they're all good. But, you know, they don't add up to the same oomph that we got in a uh, a flu season for sure. Well done. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking about what you just said, and I think I, I would agree with that. If uh, for me, what I put as the B story, which is Andy kind of trying to win back April, et cetera. Yeah. I thought the B story was pretty funny. Yeah. And I think if I, I think as far as volume, the A story took up a lot more time than the B story. Yeah. Call it a two thirds, one third. But, right. Yeah. But I don't think it was is nearly as as dense with with hilarity. If it had been, this would, have got, this would have had a way better score. Yeah, um, easily. It, it wasn't bad from a plot perspective. I do agree with you, Leslie's solution. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. But while that's interesting and fun to follow from a plot perspective, it doesn't necessarily bring the the, the yuck yucks, which I love me a good plot. Yeah. And, the, and it's important for a, a, a episode to have a great plot if it's going to get like a 10. Yes. But you can't get that without the the funnies well let me say this i know we both would believe this parks and rec when it's really funny can also have great depth and heart Mm -hmm. which really makes it a special show yep if you get all depth and heart and not enough funny though that's a drama something yeah it's a it's a dramedy at best and something feels missing and i think we're both saying we feel like something was missing here well i agree with that yeah Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Yep. Well, Mark, you know, we will be back next week with episode four from season three, which is Ron and Tammy, too. Oh, I can't wait. And I'm not positive, but I think this one may fall more favorably for us. I think you're probably right. Just a guess. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to everyone next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.